You're listening to Wait, Am I an Adult Now? One of the only podcasts out there that interviews young millennials riding the squiggly line of life. We're your co-hosts, Shelby Wildgust and Savan Pichotto. And together, our mission is to inspire you with stories of millennials just like you who are paving their way in the new creative economy. Our guests are leading epic lives through entrepreneurship, artistry, charity, music, corporate leadership, and so much more. Are you ready to jump in? Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our next episode of Wait, Am I an Adult Now? Thought the awkward years are over. Think again. My name is Shelby Wildgust. And this is Savan Pichotto. And we have a special guest with us today. Special guest, say hi. Hello, hello. And who are you, special guest? Uh, my name is Dave Silver. I am the co-founder of an organization called Rec Philly. And we are so excited to dive into detail about who Dave is, what his bio is, what his story is, and all that good stuff. But before we do that, Savan, what do we need to do? We're going to jump right into our uh, Wait, Am I an Adult Now moments of the week. Um, So... Shelby, you want to kick it off? Sure, I definitely will. So I landed an interview on a show called Empower Hour, which is actually out right now. So at the time of the recording, it has not yet been um, filmed, but by the time you listen to this, it will be out for your viewership pleasure. So that's my adult moment because it's pretty damn cool, and I'm really proud of myself for that. That is yeah. cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So my adult moment of the week is basically I was in this meeting at work today and uh, we were meeting some like big time like reps from NBC and they were like dressed to the nines like in their suits and everything and I just had a realization that I was like wow I'm in the room with these people and I just got to like show up and know my shit pretty much so it went well and um I was really happy about it, so. Nice. Got to know your shit. That's an adult feeling. (laughs) For sure. And Dave, what is your wait, my adult now moment of the week? Yeah. I was going to say the childish moment of that I ran out of, I ran out of toothpaste and like was just like, I'm like just too immature to go and like buy toothpaste. So I had no toothpaste and I had to use my roommate's toothpaste for a week, but that's, let's talk more, more adult things and not talk about how I can't take care of myself. Um, my, my adult thing, I mean, we're in the process of expanding our company, uh, in a large way right now. And, uh, I am in the process of signing a 10 year lease, uh, on a property and, um, having to deal with real estate attorneys and uh, brokers um, and these just like multi-thousand dollars insurance policies. And I don't even come from any of that background uh, whatsoever. So I'm like, wow, this is really like the adult shit that like I've avoided um, yeah. or, or have heard about. So it's like that's when all. Tax season comes around. That's yeah. exactly how I feel. Yeah, that, that's that's hit me in the face pretty hard right now, and learning things uh, as I go. But that is that's my moment. That is by far the most adult thing that we've heard so far. I think. Yeah, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll all be worth it because that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and this is actually the first uh, interview we've done on location on site. Oh, cool! So. I'm honored. For all of you listening out there, we are at Rec Philly right now. We yeah. checked out the space; pretty cool. Yeah. It's very um, Rec Philly-esque. Yeah, yeah, you're in our six-room creative facility called the Rec Room in North Philadelphia. It's pretty cool. Thanks. All right. Well, that being said, let's start off this interview. Now, Dave, you're going to have to excuse me and Savan because we don't have your bio in front of us, and normally we would, you know, 
butter you up and read the bio and be like, and Dave Silvers yeah. and yada, yada, yada. So yeah. you're going to have to walk us through your bio and give yeah. us all the goods. Yeah, I'll give you all the goods. Um, I went to Temple University, studied advertising and entrepreneurship, graduated in 2013 from Temple. Um, going to school really made me super passionate about Philadelphia. It really opened up a lot of doors to me that I never thought uh, would exist. Um, really molded me into who I am today, and I really want to repay a lot of the people who have made that possible, including the university. So I'm really passionate about the city. Um, I started my organization, actually started my first company called Broad Street Music Group while I was still in college in 2011, um, which was just throwing basement concerts and parties. Um, and then I took that to dive bars and dive venues around the city, and then grew that into regular venues, and then grew into the some of the top venues and through shows around the country. Uh, so I've produced over a thousand events since 2011, uh, working with over 8,000 artists in different types of art, whether that's musicians or painters or videographers. Um, and we've our, my organization at this point has um, generated over 1.5 million in local uh, creative economy impact. Um, so it's a lot of, we're able to circulate a lot of money going around in the local creative community, which is something we're really proud about. Um, but yeah, I'm super passionate about Philadelphia. I'm really passionate about helping artists build businesses for themselves and think of themselves as creative entrepreneurs and not just artists and giving them the tools that they need. Um, and I find myself kind of right in the middle of the art and the business world, which uh, helps me kind of kind of make myself a unique individual in Philadelphia because there's not many people who sit in the middle of art and tech and business. And I, I can talk both those languages which gives us a lot of leverage points when we're trying to facilitate things to happen in the city. Um, so yeah, I started I started Broad Street Music Group 2011, pivoted that to Rec Philly in 2015, and then I am also the lead organizer for an initiative called Amplify Philly, which brings Philadelphia to South by Southwest each year. Um, we bring over 300 people, we bring the mayor, we bring the councilman, uh, we bring 30 artists, 25 tech companies, um, and just talk about Philadelphia on a global level. And we're gonna keep doing that as well. So a lot of things going on. Yeah, that's super amazing and a lot to kind of touch on. And if I remember even, I think it was maybe two years ago when I first met you, um, the amount of money that you've circulated in the creative community was half of what it was now. And you just doubled that yeah. in two years, which is incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, and it corrects me if I'm wrong, but Rec Philly, as it is now, a co-working space didn't always start out that way. Is that right? Uh, right. So we Rec Philly, as it is now, is more of an incubator, right? We try to provide a place where artists can grow. Um, our business model is actually two-sided. So one side is uh, working with the artists in the incubator side, this gym membership for artists. Uh, the other side is being a creative agency, working with businesses, helping them solve their creative problems. So there's a lot of companies out there that don't know how to be cool and work with artists, and they contact us to figure out how can we throw a show, how can we create a cool video, how can we do a photo shoot, and things of that nature. So I act as like Philadelphia's creative agent um, working with these artists. That's really, really cool. And I have to just first off say I love the Philly pride yeah. because I'm obsessed with Philly too. And I actually just came from, I was able to take a visitor, there was a visitor in my office who had never been to Philly before, and I just took her all around the city today. Oh. And I was like, oh, I just love Philly. Yeah. So thank you for being an advocate for our city, first and okay. foremost. It's really cool to hear that. Are you from Philly originally? Uh, so I'm from the Bucks County area, okay. so about 15 minutes from the city. Um, grew up just attending tons of Philadelphia sports events in and out of the city, up and down 95. Uh, so from the Bucks County area, and then really I started living in Philadelphia when I started at Temple, and then haven't left since. I've moved to pretty much almost 
every neighborhood uh, year over year in Philadelphia to see like different landscapes and communities in the city. That's really cool. So something that you mentioned in the beginning of your bio, which by the way, I think you said your bio wasn't that impressive and then listening to you, I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, it is. You go. You go, Dave. Um, But something that you mentioned that I think is a common theme amongst a lot of our interviews is that your passion stemmed from a realization that you had in interest that you have, like you knew that you loved Philly yeah. and you know, I'd like to hear more so about the passion that you have to give back to your community and then how music and artists got tied into all of that and kind of, you know, what did you see yourself doing when you were 18 year old, 18 years old attending Temple as an advertising major and kind of walk us through like that whole process of exploring your passion and, and figuring out what exactly that was going to materialize into. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot to that. Um, one of the simple answers um, for kind of getting to the story of how this all came to be via my passions is uh, my best friends, uh, which are some of the guys in the other room uh, in our co-working space right now. So my three of like my best friends uh, throughout high school, going into college, were aspiring musicians. And me not really being an aspiring musician, but someone who can really help connect the dots of the friends, I pretty much took on this management position for them, very informal management position, because we weren't really ready to say we're like a business about it. But my friends wanted to be artists, and I wanted to help them. And that was really um, what I was passionate about. I was passionate about helping my friends, and if I could, I would. So when I was in school, I found uh, an interest in planning events. Um, I ended up being the social chairman from for the organization that I was a part of. So I was the one planning all the parties, and I was planning all the really just planning all the parties. And then I and then I realized that my friends were having trouble getting like booked for shows and really making any movement on their career. And here I am throwing these thousand person house parties on campus with DJs and a crowd built in, and a kind of a light bulb flick kind of flicked off and was like why don't you turn those parties into a place where your friends can perform? Mm-hmm. So I just started creating these these like showcases before the party started and helping my friends do that and putting them on the stages. So I would turn these parties into concerts and feature my friends. And uh, next thing you know, people were reaching out. Hey, can we get booked for those those parties, those shows? And I'm like, uh, I had like a list of 80 artists that reached out over the course of a month, and I thought that was a gold mine. When I had this list of 80 artists, I started going to different clubs, and I'm like, hey, I have all these artists looking to perform. You know, I could bring them here. You know, imagine if all these artists knew about your space. Meanwhile, that list of 80 artists right now is probably close to 40,000. Where wow. <laughs> since we threw our first show, oh so <laughs> the list of eighties, um, it was just so funny thinking how significant I thought that was, and now that list of like just the, all the that list is now all the artists that have interacted with us in some capacity, um, not not booked, but that just kind of are in this ecosystem. So it, it starts with that. That is like the problem I wanted to solve initially is that I liked planning the events. Um, and I had this resource of this, of this house where these parties were happening and the built-in audience and my friends looking for uh, a place to play and a better opportunity. So that's where it starts off of, um, yeah, I, I think that's that. And really when I, was, when I was 18, me and my business partner, Will, he's my best friend from high school, and we just always talked about 
what the future would be. We always knew that we wanted to do our own thing in the entertainment production space. Um, we were the AV guys in, in, in high school. We ran our afternoon announcements. We were the video, the main videographers at school. We'd produce all the projects. Uh, we were like the only two guys in our independent study class. So we like had a free class in high school to go roam around and like film things. And we, I remember we would always just talk about, you know, what are we going to do? Um, you know, what's the, what's the goal? And the goal was always to, um, create a lot of impact around creatives um, because our friends were, he was, Will was a creative. I mean, I was considered a creative. I was a videographer and editor at that time. So this is a big cyclone of things. We, we had these premeditated plans to be in the entertainment industry. Um, these, this organization I was in with these parties and me, the one organizing it for three straight years, um, it all kind of cycloned together. And I was just all about hard work in college. So I had eight internships over four semesters, um, being, you know, product ambassador for all these different companies. And, uh, those opened up a lot of doors for people who I knew. And, you know, I, the first shows I threw were just free event with like free drinks and free food. And it was all from the, my internship stuff. I would just take the free stuff from my internship and put it out for people to have, um, which made it kind of enticing. Very resourceful. (laughs) Yeah. That was the, that was the key for, for, to start. It was, it was, Completely, I, the organization had like a had like a certain allocation of printing funds. I would use all the printing funds to promote our events. I'd go and print them all out. Um, the organization had a bunch of volunteers. I like enlisted them to go pass them out around campus. Uh, it's all about resources, right, and connecting the resources. And that's how we've been able to bootstrap our way here. And that's how we're planning on moving forward. And now you have a ten year lease that you're about to sign. Yeah. Big vision <laughs> ahead, right? Yeah. Big vision. That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm curious when it got to the point where it was getting. St- too big that you needed to invest in the space and how did you go about doing that was it something in the back of your mind you were saving up for already or there's just kind of referring to the space yes yeah so when we went from broad street music group which was just throwing these events when we were in college to out of college to rec philly which then we just decided we're not going to just do events we're going to be like this hub for artists uh, we we started thinking what did what do artists if we're gonna be the hub what do artists need, and Will my co-founder and one of our best friends who's now one of our members in our program Leonzo, what they found is they rented their own studio here and they essentially like lived out of the studio because they were really just trying to get by from what they had it's not a place to really live here but they just kind of crashed on the couch in their own studio, but really they they found that they were creating their best work when they had this safe space to be and and to collaborate and invite people over. So we became this hub where we were just kind of throwing shows, connecting artists to creatives. When Will was like, yo, I think we need to think more about space because we're really cooking up a lot of great stuff here. I'm getting really inspired here. People are coming here and loving the idea that we can just have a place to create. And I was on board for that. And we just, we turned that one studio into all the six of these rooms right now into that one room where we had a backdrop, a studio, a place to work all within like a, a 500 square foot room. Um, super cramped, but it was just the start of the idea of, um, of space and resource sharing within one environment. And um, from all the events that we threw, uh, we were able to afford to partner to open up the studios down here in the hall. So we started with one room there and then just started slowly investing one room after another and then we just opened up our sixth room um last week so um yeah i I mean it was just it was just the resource that was missing when we wanted to be a hub that we thought was the most significant which was space and then we wanted to double down on that and realize that that's really what creatives 
in Philadelphia needed was this community side of things. Yeah, I was going to say not to mention like the space itself is really cool and to have a safe place to come and create. And I think that's a really valuable thing that you said because oftentimes creatives, like they, they need a place where they can just express themselves yeah. without judgment because yeah. if there's judgment, then their expression is hindered. And I love the fact you said create a safe space. But what also comes with that safe space is the community aspect. Yeah. And it almost becomes, now that you have this community, you have a, an idea share and you have people to come and, again, judgment-free, but give you ideas and um, advice and whatever it might be. So I, I think this space in itself is really cool and it's, it's great to be here. You. Now, you're mentioning artists and I can tell by the space, you talk about studios a lot. Can you talk to us about what kind of artists specifically are, are your target, or yeah. is it open to all artists? Like, just kind of describe what you what you mean by artists. Yeah. Um, so we come from a background where artists initially met musicians, uh, mainly because all the shows we were throwing, all the shows were concerts or showcases. So it was always about putting on for artists, uh, for musicians. Um, as that time went on, we realized that photographers and videographers were coming to these events and they would contact us after the event just as much as the musician would. So then we were able to open up our resources for musicians, photographers, and videographers. And then we realized that these videographers were going out and shooting models and realizing the models were having the same problems that the musicians were having. And then, you know, the models, you know, and that, and that kind of trickled all the way through to now our membership. We have 250 active members um, or 250 active accounts, and the, you know each account could have like four members in it. So we have about 700 people in our current community, um, and less than 50% are musicians. The rest are videographers and photographers, and then graphic designers. We have models, we have podcasters, we have writers. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're a quote unquote creative entrepreneur, someone who could really m make money off of their talent and build an audience then you're a potential member for our organization and we think we can help you. If you need to create content and you want to be around community and you want to be educated in this new creative economy that we're in, uh, we think that we could be a real resource to you. So while musicians are still the heart of wh where we came from, um, like I said, out of the 250, it's not even 50% musicians at this point anymore. And I'm really proud of that because we want to be able to help artists, whatever that means to anyone. Yeah. And you said something interesting that I want to kind of do a, a new discussion on here. You said the new creative economy that we're in. Yeah. You also just signed a 10-year lease for a building. Yeah. So clearly you see Rec Philly being on the forefront of this creative economy. Yeah. And so I want to just hear for you, from you, what does that look like? It doesn't have to be necessarily from Rec Philly standpoint, but yeah. just a creative economy and it's, it's awesome that you're getting Philly involved in South by Southwest. I love the fact that you bring the mayor and 300 yeah. people to South by Southwest. I think that is the, the forefront of where creation happens, or at least where it's exposed. So can you share with us what your thoughts are, are what your thoughts are on the creative economy? And yeah. So when I say the new creative economy, uh, really refer to these independent creators making money online. Because now more than ever before, the ability to do so is just so vast. There's so many different platforms that are proven to be sustainable outlets for these creators. So, you know, they say one out of four people right now are considered like freelancers. And in 10 years from now, they'll be one out of two. And that to me is a part of this new creative economy. It's these independent creators finding ways to make money, whether it's through Instagram, right? I think they, there's like 
trying to remember the stat. If there's 25 million people on used on Instagram, only 3 million of them are able to make money right now. And that was in 2016, that stat. So like, it's like just platforms like Instagram where people are literally making a living through that platform. That didn't exist five years ago, you know? So that Instagram and um, even like Etsy and Tumblr and things to that nature, th- these are all platforms that didn't exist too long ago that are not, were not a part of the creative economy when you thought of the creative economy before. So this new wave is all about these independent creators having access to resources that are just on their phone or just on their computer that are almost free to use, but yet can build an entire business for themselves. And more people are becoming just that as a career than ever before. So it's the rise of the independent creator, the access to these resources that are almost free, um, and the ability to make money online. Um, that, and it's not too difficult now. So that, that to me is what the, the basis of this new creative economy. That's really cool. Yeah, that's, that is amazing to hear because I think a lot of people have an idea for themselves that if they do start their own company or start doing something on their own from their passion, that they have to make it this big giant thing or a company or it has to be something, but you're saying it literally can just be them and they can make it as big as they want it to be. Sure. Yeah. The access to resources, there's no barrier to entry, very limited barrier to entry. If you want to start, if you're a creator of any sense, you can start it all in one day without having to go seek counsel. You can obviously depends on what you're creating, but just the access to start and the access to tap into these resources yeah. for distribution and, and for public awareness. There's just there's very limited barriers now. Yeah. And then you guys are responsible for giving those people a place in the community to come and be themselves. Yeah. We're giving them the place to, hey, if you want to create like high quality content, it's going to cost you a lot of money in general. But if you use our resources, it could be extremely cheap. Right. And that's that whole concept of resource sharing. So resource sharing is huge now. Right. We all know what resource sharing is when it comes to cars right? Uber, Lyft. We know what resource sharing is when it comes to hotels, right? Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But what is resource sharing when it comes to independent creators? And what's, the, what's it for the entertainment industry in general? And that's where we're, we're trying to be a, uh, a leader in is that resource sharing for entertainment, which is have a space where it's all shared resources. There's no reason why an independent creator has to go invest $50,000 in their own studio when they can use it for free when they're in our program. Um, just in general, to use uh, a visual lab like we have here on an hourly basis, it's $70, $80 an hour, which is not super expensive. But if you're doing it a lot and you're there creating a lot of content, that could those bills rack up. And th- that's a barrier for you to continue pursuing your career. Um, so we make it free once you're in our program. So that's, that's our thought on how we're going to kind of take advantage of this whole new creative economy is the, re- the tools to do what I just mentioned of the new creative economy, uh, let's also lower the barrier of entry to get access to the tools as well uh, to create high quality content, to, to, to be one step above um, your competition, right? If you're an independent creator, there's other people creating, but maybe they're bootstrapping it when now you have access to high-end podcast equipment, high-end lights, high-end cameras, and things like that. So that's how we want to help. Really well, cool. Yeah, I love that. So, all right. I'm glad that we went down that rabbit hole, but I want to come back to your story and who you are because, like I said at the beginning, before we started this podcast, you know, what we like to do is just interview badass millennials who are doing epic shit. Yeah. And that's you. Cool. Um, And now, as you know, our subline of our podcast is Thought the Awkward Years Are Over, Think Again. And the reason why that's the case for us is because 
you know, we look at the awkward years being middle school when we have the braces and the acne and That's like me. and like the awkward first kisses and all that kind of stuff. Seventh grade. Right? Like, <laughs> hey, I was totally there too. But when we're young adults and we're just trying to make it out in this world, like things become awkward and they actually have like a repercussion to them. So it's even more awkward than it was when you're in seventh grade and like you have an awkward first kiss, like you learn how to kiss better and no one remembers <laughs> that. But like when you're 25, 26, 27 and you're you know, actually doing cool shit, there are repercussions that can be a little bit awkward or there are things you go through that can be really awkward. So I wanted to ask you in your whole process of going from 18-year-old Dave in college who just is starting up this idea of of just giving a space for bands to perform or even just starting up the idea of, you know, promoting bands to where you are now. Like, can you share with us some of the trials and tribulations, the awkward moments and how you got through them? Yeah. I mean, my life, and I said this before we started the podcast, My, I feel like every day is an awkward day for me. I'm just like, I'm a little socially awkward just because I just, I'm so, I work so much. I'm like, my head's like always on my laptop and like in back and forth in emails and communicating via email. Or like, I'm in like really professional meetings with like the mayor, right? So like, I, I sometimes forget like my middle social ground. <laughs> so like, I sometimes like forget how to interact with just like regular, just like a regular conversation of like small talk. So like, I'll sit in a room and be like, yeah, I, I got no small talk right now. Or if, we're not, if we're not talking business, then um, I'm probably just going to walk out, <laughs> um, which is, it's kind of sucks. Um, just, just, you know, I, just because, but, um, specific awkward moments. I mean, I have a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of failures, right? We, we, um, we started wreck by launching a Kickstarter campaign. A lot of people forget that. A lot of people don't realize. Um, we started Rec actually as a record label. When we decided not to be events, we wanted to help artists as like a hub. We're like, all right, let's go represent these artists um, and give them a platform um, to really access all the tools that they need. So to in order to have a record label, you need a lot of money because that's what really labels do. They give artists money to go spend it on things. And we didn't have any of the money. We had like eight grand from throwing events. So we're like, let's, let's throw a Kickstarter campaign to raise the money to 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 produce this like community record label. The, these artists will go through the community to access the services that we that we fund. So we en- ended up spending our $8,000 to produce the campaign and made this vi- this video, which if we watch now is super awkward, right? <laughs> I, like, I'm just like such a like young, not even that, I'm not, it's like four years ago, so I'm not that much older, but that video alone, we can like put that somewhere where the are like, wow, that is super awkward. Um, but that uh, that experience, we went and went to raise fifty thousand dollars to launch this to launch this thing, and um, we only only ended up raising thirty grand, which is a lot of money to raise on Kickstarter. But yeah. we we shot for a large goal and we didn't get it. And uh, if you know anything about Kickstarter, you know that you don't get you don't make any of that money. But we also spent all of our money to produce the campaign. We were like all in, so that was a huge failure for us. Um, and it was almost a, a place where we quit uh, and I walked didn't away. Know that about Kickstarter. Yeah, you make zero. So if you, there's two different main platforms. There's like uh, Indiegogo, yep. uh, which you keep the money that you raise if you select that option. And there's Kickstarter, which is like you're all in, either all in or you're all out. Mm-hmm. So we went all in, thinking that you know if we're gonna set our mind to something, we're gonna do it. And I hyped up my team. And actually, we launched that Kickstarter day one. We were ranked like top five in the country Kickstarter campaigns. Wow. Because we, we raised like initially twelve grand in the first day. And everything just looks super peachy. We were like, we're getting this. And uh, I think we just got a little too like excited about like how great it went. And we, ended up, we like our campaign was 30 events in 30 days, and we 
worked our asses off um, only to fall short. And we actually ran, we had no more money in our account. We had a big fail, a big public fail, because we made this as loud as we could. All our contacts, we lost all of our money, and we walked that away with nothing. And that, that while is awkward in a sense, really what's awkward about that is me having to walk, I was so confident with my team, right? The whole way through, guys, we are gonna get this. There is no doubt in my mind, we're gonna set it out, we're gonna crush it. And then the walk into our company meeting the day after we failed, right? Every Saturday since 2013, I've had a meeting on Saturday morning with my team. And I walk in and everyone knew we failed and I had to walk in, I was like the last one into the room. That's awkward in itself. What are we doing? Are we even a company anymore? I don't even know what's on, what's going on right now. But that really defined really where we were going because in that moment, you have two options, right? To stop or keep going. And there was no, really no doubt in my mind what I was going to, as a leader, what I was going to do. And that was to, we're going to figure it out. We raised $30,000. It's nothing to sneeze at. You know, we had a ton of community support. It's nothing to sneeze at. So uh, we just had to kind of hit, we just hit the ground running from there and just try to figure out what resources do we have now, because we have no money, um, to make things happen. And that was day one of Rec Philly, um, because it wasn't even Rec Philly before we did that. It was just Rec. It was actually called Rec Collective um, as a record label. Um, so yeah, that's a huge failure, big awkward moment just for me, like being in the community, like everyone knew we failed. It was just like, you made this big stink about and this fucking awkward video that, you know, it's just me like talking about trying to save Philadelphia music, mm-hmm. which is just a bad angle to take in the first place. And that's probably why we didn't raise it in the first place. But uh, yeah, so that's a long story of failure and put me in a very awkward position. Um, yeah. So I have several questions that came out of everything that you just said. Um, First thing I want to say is that you having that moment of failure and from that realizing that you needed to be resourceful and figure out how to get back to where you wanted, how to to get back to a good spot. And that being the start of Rec Philly itself is amazing. and one question in particular that came to my mind was for, for you, having another co-founder with you as a business partner, how has that either helped you or how have you been able to bounce off of each other and help each other when you do have those times when you're feeling down or like you're not sure where it's going to go from here? So Will, my business partner, and I, I mean, it dates back to high school from our friendship. But what makes us a really strong team is the perspectives that we come from. Uh, he he and I, our backgrounds are drastically different um, in terms of how he was raised and where he was where he's from and where I was raised and where I'm from. Um, but what's great about our dynamic is that we both have the same vision of what we want to accomplish and like the impacts that we're looking to create and for whom. Um, so every decision that we make always comes from both of those perspectives um, in different communities. And rarely do we just agree on a strategy. He comes from his strategy, I come from my strategy, and consistently do we butt heads um, on almost everything, um, which is super challenging and super draining and, and uses a lot of your mental energy. But at the end of the day, when we're able to work through it and come to a final conclusion, that final conclusion is a p- little bit of his perspective and a little bit of my perspective um, mixed together for a final outcome. Which if you look at our brand then from a backup and you're like, wow, like I actually can see 
these perspectives coming together. It's not really just one thing. There's like these multiple things happening. And now our whole team comes from different perspectives. If you look at, if I brought out my entire team, the 12 people we have on staff, every everyone looks pretty different um, from all different backgrounds, different colors, shapes, sizes, genders, all of that. So, um, but yeah, that that's the strength of our partnership. Um, that's how we've been able to build a brand and build a company as strong as we have is because we come from different perspectives with the same vision, which is which is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that answer that. Yeah, cool. definitely. Yeah, I think it's great to hear how <clears throat> how you admire the fact that your partner in this is so different than you, yeah. and that you welcome the conflict that you have with one another as a way to get the solution better than it would have been had you gone with your solution or his solution. Yeah. And I almost imagine like, you know, here's your solution like in one level and then here's his solution on the, the equal level, just different solutions. And then your solution together is just that much better. Yeah. And I think that's such a valuable lesson to learn, not just from a business standpoint, but just in life in general that, you know, it's not my way or the highway. It's a, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And yeah. You never know what kind of solutions can come out of just a conversation. So I think that's really, yeah, it's really nice. powerful. Yeah, we're, we live in a very sensitive time, right? So if, mm-hmm. if you forget other communities that exist um, and other ways of thinking, people will c- come at you for like, hey, you don't even, you didn't even think about this whole community over here. And so him and I, we kind of span a decent amount of communities in ourselves. Um, so we, we can stay away from that type of issue by kind of covering our, our, our asses from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. For sure. you guys should seriously give yourselves a lot of credit for being able to have that type of partnership. Yeah. Like Shelby said, where you can have conflict and still work through it and know that it's going to be a great, great like outcome in the end of it. Yeah, so. you know, when you're when you're ha- when you have a partnership you, from the very beginning, you're either going to accept that conflict or not. And a lot of people can't get through it just because of the amount of it's very taxing, you know. And some people just don't have the patience for it. It's like I need to move, I need to move. I don't want to hear like these doubts or this and that, but you don't get a great product without having, you know, people trying to doubt you along the way. And him and I both bring up these challenges because we're thinking about it differently. Um, and a lot of people don't have that benefit. And uh, that's why a lot of startups fail because they're not thinking about the, the bigger picture and the, all these communities are going to impact. And I think that's why we're still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll be here for the next 10 years. Minimum 10 years. <laughs> the 10-year option to renew. <laughs> So, Dave, for the sake of time, I want to wrap the interview up with this final question that we ask everybody. Yeah. So, looking back at your 18, 19-year-old self, what advice would you give to him? Um, so, who is my 18-year-old self? I have to remember that. So, that's that's freshman Dave, uh, starting college. I didn't... I wanted to be... I wanted to do something really easy just so I can just, like, enjoy myself I wanted like that's why I took advertising. Honestly, like I didn't even I had no interest in advertising. I just was like looking online for majors, and I was like, that sounds so easy. <laughs> I'm done. Let's do that, and that sounds good. I ended up loving it, which is great. Um, I mean, the a, a simple answer to that is that I should have challenged myself more academically in school because I am now uh, the CEO of a company that does a lot of shit um, with a lot of like revenue coming in and a lot of business things that we have to cover. And I have no history and background of learning how to do any of it. <laughs> I, learn, I know how to write a um, write copy for an advertisement. Um, that's what I learned in school. Uh, but I didn't learn, you know, supply and demand and uh, a lot of the micro and macroeconomic stuff. So I would have told myself to um, challenge myself academically. Um, 
but I also would uh, there was a sense of like I guess like a utopia sense in my mind of like how I was going to navigate post-college um I mean, when I was 18 and 19, I did not think I would be owning my, I would own my own business per se. I knew I would at some point in my life run my own company. That's what Will and I talked about. But I, you know, you think that you're going to spend like maybe 10, I don't know how long, maybe 10 years like working up the chain and then using your money, blah, blah, blah. Um, I wish maybe like a little earlier that I would have, I didn't really take things seriously until I was like 20. Um, 18 and 19 year old Dave could have been like a little more like yo let's get some shit done and like make a big let's make a big fucking deal about whatever the future is gonna hold 18, 19 I was like much more just like super like fun and like party and I wish I cause I would have had two more years of grit you know and grind um which maybe maybe I maybe the only reason why I'm here is because I gave myself those two years. Yeah, but I would because those two years are important. Yeah, they are, they are important. But I I think I wish I was just like more focused when I was 18. Like yo, take this shit seriously. Let's let's challenge ourselves academically. Let's go and find these opportunities right now. Um, because I, if I had two more years of experience in this, I would be another level up. So yeah. I'm still like chasing that. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like I uh, there's not a lot more because I really am happy with where I am at right now. I don't there's like no regrets and there's no um, there's no I wish I would have because I really did what I wanted to do. I did a lot of partying in school. I ran a lot of the parties in school. <laughs> um, I joined some great organizations, had some great internships. I worked my ass off, and that's my advice I give to um, a lot of people is just learn. It's like I kind of conflict this in my head, but like you have to learn to be just really busy with your time, like know how to like use your time really efficiently which is like busy, but it's just using your time well. Um, I've been scheduling my days since I was 19, minute by minute, and I do it every day still. Like every 30-minute block on my calendar is filled with something, even if it's like brainstorming something. So I, so I know what to be thinking about during that time. And when I have a block that's missing, I am so lost. I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm staring at my computer like, ugh. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. So since I, cause, because since I was 19, I've been scheduling that my time. And I have all of my journals that show where I was, you know, wow. six years ago to the minute. Um, That's cool. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah. And I advise people to learn how to use their time like that in some capacity. Some people don't want to be like that. Like, that sounds like a robot, you know, and, and that's a lifestyle choice. But for me, that's, I need it every, you need every minute of the day if you're trying to make as a big impact as I'm trying to make mm-hmm. and my whole team's trying to make. Um, those minutes go quickly, you know, yeah. and the next thing you know, they're gone. So just use your time efficiently. Yeah. I, I love your perspective that you have on that. And that's amazing and really great advice too. I feel like we could all use a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but being as though you do have a space and I know you have memberships, yeah. just really quick as we wrap up, kind of go over a little bit about what you offer people and then tell people how they can find you personally if they'd want to reach out or connect with you in any way. Yeah. So our main thing that we do is our membership. It's this gym membership for artists. So if you're an aspiring artist of any sense, musician, photographer, designer, um, or just a creative entrepreneur, aspiring creative entrepreneur, we have our program that uh, gets you access to our space. So recphilly.com for all things uh, to join the program and to join the community. Um, that's at Rec Philly on all socials. Um, me personally at Dave Silver um, on all socials. And uh, yeah, we're come through because we're all about just 
education in the creative world and connecting people together um, and building Philadelphia to be, you know, Philadelphia is on the rise, if not already risen to an extreme degree. And the arts community will rise with that. And we just want to be a major player in that. So it's going to be a crazy ride, definitely these next 10 years while we have this new space that we're opening up. Um, and that's going to be really special in itself. And we're excited for to have a really authentic community be a part of that growth. Um, so come join now before we're before we expand. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! <laughs> well, Dave, thank you once again so much for being a guest on Waitline Adult. Now it was really great to get to know you better and to hear your story and. I always leave these so inspired. I don't yeah. know about you, I do. I definitely do. And it's amazing to hear so many different stories from different perspectives and people. So yeah. thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's an honor to be considered someone doing some cool shit. And um, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to keep doing some cool shit. So. Good. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, guys, as you know, I always do the shameless plug at the end of all of our episodes. If you like us, go give us five stars. If you want to... Friend us, follow us, all that good stuff. We are at Wait Am I an Adult Now on Instagram. We have an email as well. So if you have any friends or family members or loved ones or whoever that you think should be on our show, don't be shy. Let us know. We would love to feature them or feature you. Have a great, great, great week, night, day, whenever you're listening to this, and we will check back with you later. See you next time. See you next time.